Northern Brewer is the proud sponsor of the Brewing Network's Jameel Show. They have the widest selection of domestic and imported malts and grain, hops from all over the world, and a full line of liquid and dry yeast. No matter what style of beer you're brewing, Northern Brewer has the ingredients you need, plus fast shipping and expert staff to help you make the best beer possible. Please visit northernbrewer.com for all things homebrew. Dripping stopped, yes. <laughs> and they yeah. prescribed some uh, penicillin and, mm. and the drip stopped, yes. Nice. I feel better. <laughs> nice. Anyone hey, just keeps dripping, you know? Oh, yeah, and it itches and burns, yeah. you know? That's, uh, you know, the drip I could put up with, you know? Yeah, put a man pond down there. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> a man pond. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you ever watch Rob and Big? No. Well, it's a good show. <laughs> Great show. They only did three seasons and then it's done, but, but I tell you, the man pawn. <laughs> the man. You know, he's a big dude. He's got a little anal leakage, apparently. And so right. <laughs> oh, stuff's in the man pawn in his crack there and uh, <laughs> you know, to help uh, to absorb any leakage. It's like an anal tampon. Yeah, he doesn't, I don't think he stuffs it up in there, but it's uh, you know huh. more like a pad than a, uh, wow. a pawn. Just there to absorb any, uh, you know, you don't want to be staining everything you're sitting on. So he's got the man pawn. I think you use that up front when you're, uh, when you're, you know, the man you've been, uh, you know, visiting Singapore too much and uh, picked up the slug, and uh, you want to prevent the uh, drippage. Have I really gone off the rails? Here? You know, we. <laughs> I think, wow. As this, this is a great advertisement for Alesmith Speedway Stout. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Well, oh, no. Yeah, great apologies here to Alesmith. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is a fine beer, and uh, I got a, a, a bottle I had aged for four years. They're out of San Diego, California, and this is like a 12% alcohol beer. And none of us are really tasting any alcohol in it. But are you, you feeling know, it? Here, here's second show. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> talking about man pawns. I think uh, Speedway Stout is is the culprit good. here. So if you have any complaints, you would send this to uh, Alesmith uh, Brewing Company. Email them. Say, hey, you know, uh, my favorite show uh, got off the rails because of your fine beer. And it really is a fine beer. Uh, Alesmith brews some great stuff. So uh, if you get a chance to try any of their beers, uh, I would I would highly recommend it. Just like I would highly recommend our sponsor. And that would be? Northern Brewer, uh, northernbrewer.com. There you go. Good people. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, uh, Speedway Stout, it's a Russian Imperial Stout with coffee. The very first time I ever went to uh, Northern Brewer, I was uh, out there for work in uh, Minnesota. And I was, like, wandering around. I was going to go down to the, the local homebrew shop, which is Northern Brewer. 
in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And uh, I went in there, and I think it was actually uh, Kurt Stock who was working the counter there. Yeah, uh, that he's time. a meat maker guy, right? Or... Yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah. He's on the HA governing committee. Yeah. Uh, just, just a wonderful person, like uh, you know, so many of these homebrewers are. And uh, I was in there, and I bought like pH strips, and you know, I was talking about, hey, where do I go to, uh, you know, try out, you know, different beers in the air? Where's a good place? And they recommended some places for me. They called a cab for me. I mean, really nice. Wow. And. Uh, and uh, I think Kurt was like, hey, you know, try you know some of this Russian Imperial Stout poured me. Russian Imperial said that. I think that he brewed. I can't really remember. And uh, I tell you, it was excellent. Nice. Excellent. That's what this uh, Russian, this uh, Speedway Stout from Alesmith reminds me of is uh, enjoying, uh, you know, a nice little pint of, and it was January. So it was oh, really perfect. perfect timing, you know. It's cold out there, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, I was freaking freezing from being a California boy out in, yeah. uh, in uh, Minneapolis in January. And uh, no, they warmed me up with some uh, Russian Imperial Stout, put me in a cab. You know, really great guys. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I'm really proud to have uh, Northern Brewer as a sponsor of our show. And I think, uh, you know, they know a lot about uh, homebrewing, homebrewing ingredients, and uh, making great know, beer. F- fair prices, uh, good service, and, uh, you know, uh, support them. Show them that uh, you listen to the show and you'll you'll kick a, a few uh, quatloos their way for. Uh, uh, supporting the show, you know, and help help helping out uh, homebrewing in general. So uh, there you go. I think uh, yeah, good stuff. Good show. Yeah, I think we're done. All right. <laughs> so should I recap the recipe or start the recipe <laughs> again? Speedway South. That's, Speedway South. It's all their fault. It's all their fault. <laughs> no, tonight we're talking about Belgian specialty ale. I mean, can, do you even have a recipe for this? Yes, <laughs> called Brewing Classic Styles. Oh. Jesus Christ. Well, it's such an open category, I had to ask. Yeah. I mean, page 213 to page 214. Please hold. Please. <laughs> Please open your copies of Brewing Classic Styles. Turn to page 213, class. No, uh, Belgian Specialty Ale is really wide open. Yeah. I mean, reading this was like, wow. Yeah. Where do you start? It's like anything that doesn't really fit in any of the other categories. And that's why, uh, you know, I think the, the BJCP style guides are all inclusive. Right. All these people go, oh, no, I brewed this really great beer, and it doesn't fit in any style <laughs> categories. Oh, the BJ Speedy you got its head up its ass because it, it doesn't recognize my great beer. And it's like, well, <laughs> doofus, there are these categories that are meant for those beers. Yeah. Have you read there's it? No, there's no beer that's excluded from, from being judged appropriately. Right. right. Now, sometimes judges may not understand what you're attempting. I think uh, JP, uh, you know, he had a very good example of this. He was he entered a uh, specialty beer that was he'd used a uh, a uh, California common wort and uh, right. fermented with bread and uh, you know did some other things maybe oak or I can't really remember, but uh, you know he he thought it was really a, a stunning example of of you know a Belgian specialty, and they dissed it because it didn't seem like a California common. Yeah, I know he was furious. And, you know, I can understand that. I think in defense of the judges, he used California Common in his description, and I don't think he should have described the word. Right. He just should have gone with, you know, a Brett fermented, you know, aggressive pale ale, you know, with oak or whatever, and, uh, you know, better explained it um, and done a little better job of that. So I think, you know, some of the onus is on him. Sure. But, uh, you know, certainly plenty is on the judges because if it was a great, you know, drinkable beer... 
they should have looked past the description and said, wow, you know, this is something wonderful that I would, you know, find at the best Belgian breweries that really don't fit into any other category. Uh, you know, it's unusual. I really love this beer. It's a, you know, a 45-point beer, and, uh, you know, it's the winner. Right. And, you know, that I think that easily could have happened, and I think the judges really let him down. So I think he has some he has a good argument some, some reason for, for being uh, miffed at that. It's funny. He originally didn't like that beer, and then I remember trying at his house when we were counter-pressure filling it, and mm-hmm. I thought it was delicious, very unique. You know? So it developed over time, do you think? Or? Oh, yeah. Yeah? I mean, it, it had, like, a pale ale ca- like character to it, but it had the... Uh, the tartness, the sourness of that breath that he added, and mm-hmm. a little bit of oak coming through. Mm-hmm. It's very refreshing, very drinkable. I think yeah. a lot of these Belgian specialties, I think you're right on, on the money there, is that uh, a lot of these be- Belgian specialties, they are wonderful when they're very drinkable. Well, that's definitely an right. important factor. That's the key, you know? right? So they can have all these wonderful, weird characters and things that are unusual going on, but what's most critical is drinkability. Right. You know, they're, it's a wide range, uh, you know, they're unique products that you you may not find uh, at any other brewery and totally different. But, you know, when you drink it, instead of uh, having a, one little sip and going, yeah, that was that was unusual, and then not wanting more. That's not a good sign. That's not a great Belgian specialty. Yeah. Having uh, a sip and going, oh, my God, can I buy a keg of this? Sure. Is a sign of a, uh, a great Belgian specialty beer. Have you so apparently you've tried some some great Belgian specialty beers? This homebrew, I mean, that's yeah, all yeah, I usually drink. Right. So, right, yeah, there you uh, go. Get the funkiness going in all different levels with you know Belgian um, guy who plays first round, Eric Igard. He he does some weird Belgian blonde ales and he mixes it with American oak and then he keeps refeeding it wort every like three weeks and then he has he keeps reusing the Bretomyces character. But he will actually re-inoculate with like a fresh word from it with a Cal Ale strain. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome, and mm-hmm. it's just the guys out there, you know. But anyways, well, and I would say you have had some great commercial Belgian uh, specialties. All right, so have you had Orval? I've had Orval. Yeah, there you go. That's that's, that's number one on their list. That okay? is, and that's right. that's the the uh, the recipe in the in the Brewing Classic Styles book. Oh, would be to make something along the lines of Orval, right? To the T, just bam! This is it. Uh, you close. know, pretty pretty darn close. Interesting. Uh, you know, uh, I gotta that, brew that now. You know, with the proper technique, that should get you real close. Huh. There you go. We should brew that. And you have a copy. I gave you a copy. You didn't have even. to buy it. I know. You know, you should be using it. I should be brewing them. Huh? Pull it out from holding the door open. <laughs> and actually uh, my keyboard rest. Yeah, you know, to help me my carpal tunnel. Hey, you know, right, so. right. <laughs> At least the book is useful. Right. I, got, I got that to say. <laughs> Um, you've probably had Russian River's Temptation. I've had that. Yeah. And there, um, what else is there? There's there, uh, right. you, have you had any Lost Abbey? I've had Lost Abbey, yeah. Uh, Cuvée de Tommy, a Devotion, right? Right. Uh, some Cantillon beers, uh, you know, uh, New Belgium 1554 Black. No, I haven't had that one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot. So anything that, uh. You know, isn't going to really fit well in a lot of the other uh, categories, and especially the Belgian categories, is going to be uh, much better in this Belgian specialty ale. Again, the key being, you know, a well-brewed beer. Right. 
Do you have any notes for us on, uh, you know, uh, to make on the style? These? Or on, the, well, just defining well, the style? I know it's tough. It is a tough one. Anything to um, add? One, I think there are no rules that really apply to this other than brewing a well-balanced beer. Um, you should definitely have aromas and flavors that are of a Belgian characteristic. Uh, the, lo- the hops can range from low to high in aromas. Um, you know, a wild yeast character is mm-hmm. acceptable, you know, but it's not needed to use as a Belgian nail strain. So it's kind of open there. Uh, the color can range, you know, blonde to black. I mean, mm-hmm. it's up to you. Mm-hmm. You're the mm-hmm. brewer. Uh, Sweet to dry, sour. Yeah. To, uh, and I think, you know, you, you kind of hit upon it there is there should be something that tells you, oh, that's kind of Belgian, at least. Right. If you don't think, oh, you know, in all your other experience of drinking, you know, well-known Belgian beers, if yeah. you don't say to yourself, you know, that's kind of Belgian, then it's not a great Belgian specialty. If it's not, you know, you know, well-made and drinkable, then it's not a great Belgian specialty. Nope. Other than that, <laughs> yeah, she wide me. open. One of our Doze members brewed a Belgian-based beer, but it, he he did an IPA. Mm-hmm. All the ingredients of an IPA, but he used a Belgian ale strain. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. Right. And, well, and, uh, and that would some be of the Belgians are right? yeah. Some of the Belgians are doing that. They really they see all these American IPAs and they're they're taking a stab at it as huh. well, and uh, you know, kind of giving a Belgian twist to it. That'd be great. I mean, a hoppy, fruity, phenolic yeah. beer. I mean, that sounds awesome. I don't care for it. <laughs> It's worth a shot. I mean, yeah, you know? yeah. The whole hops with the the the, the, Belgian. the phenols doesn't work for me. Yeah, but it's yeah, different. it's just me. Yeah, it's just me. All right, so uh, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will uh, maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. We'll get into a recipe. We'll be back after this. <laughs> oh crap! It's the hop shortage. He's in the basement. Oh please, my triple decocted imperial pilsner. It's all gone. We'll never brew again. Damn this hop shortage! Damn it to hell! Was is los? Hop shortage? Who are you guys? Ich bin Doppelbock! Ich bin Kölsch. Und ich bin Münchener Helles. We don't need a lot of hops to be delectable. Now brew something. Malzi! Use less hops, brew more beer. Northern Brewer has kits and ingredients for dozens of worldwide beer styles that don't require a lot of hops to make a great pint. Like the cool blonde Kolsch or the ponderously bottom-heavy Doppelbach. Keep drinking great beer. Order at northernbrewer.com and get flat rate $7.99 shipping anywhere in the contiguous U.S. One beer kit, $7.99 shipping. One million beer kits, $7.99 shipping. Together we can beat this hop shortage. <laughs> Now get brewing! Did you know that every day a brewcaster goes to bed hungry? Did you know that that brewcaster is silently calling for the help of people just like you? Do you know that every day the unicorn and the rainbow have to blow sailors for loose change? For less than the cost of a half-calf, quad-shot, venti, extra-hot, soy milk, triple-pump, hazel, low-fat foam, double-cupped macchiato a day, you can help starving adults in Pacheco. Your love can be felt for as little as seven cents a day. Visit thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate to sign up today for as little as $2 a month. Private first class in the BN Army. Buy your way up the ranks as corporal, sergeant, ranger, or colonel with an easy-to-do monthly donation that keeps brewcasters alive and your favorite internet radio station broadcasting. No donation is too small to help those in need. Can't you find it in your heart to share your love with a brewcaster? In return, you will enjoy the wealth of knowledge that comes with every episode of the session. The Jamil Show and Yes even that other show. Thank you for listening, and please sign up for your donation at thebrewingnetwork.com slash donate today. 
White Labs is a leader in pure yeast and fermentation services, serving the beer, wine, and distilling industries from worldwide producers for more than a decade. White Labs has three all-new vials for you to pitch this year, home brewers, so fire up your kettles, fill up your fermenters, and get ready for Cry Havoc, the signature yeast strain from Charlie Papazian. This yeast can ferment both ales and lagers and is great for bottle conditioning, too. Second, a cream ale blend of ale and lager yeast strains. This blend creates a clean, crisp, light American lager-style ale. Last, a Belgian-style Saison ale yeast blend. This blend melds Belgian-style ale yeast and Saison strains to create complex, fruity aromas and flavors. Get complete fermentation quickly with this blend's spicy, earthy, and clove-like flavors. White Labs, your brewing partner for great yeast. These new strains are available now for home brewers, breweries, and homebrew shops everywhere. White Labs, it's all in the vial. This is the Jameel Show. All right, we're back. We're talking Belgian specialty ale and uh, the fine producer, Chad, just uh, broke out a, a, since we mentioned Lost Abbey, he went and uh, retrieved a uh, Lost Abbey Serpent's Stout. And I'll tell you one thing. Tom Arthur, Lost Abbey, (laughs) that boy knows how to brew. (laughs) And he knows how to just do the most creative things. Incredible. I mean, we are we are so blessed here in uh, California with some of the the most creative, innovative, uh, innovative brewing minds. Uh, just just amazing the things that they're doing, and and they're they're you know kind of you know redefining the categories and redefining the industry and doing things that you're just it's it's stunning what they're what they're capable of, and yeah. you, you think well uh, I can't come up with anything new, and they do. And they kind of redefine the the process and the and the and the products. And always pushing that limit too, you know. You're like, oh yeah. Just when you think they're going to get comfortable, they just kind of step it up one notch, you know. Well, I, I truly believe they're artists. Oh, for sure. I mean, would you think uh, Van Gogh? Oh yeah. Wouldn't wouldn't you know when you thought he was done, he cut off his freaking ear. <laughs> or no, was that somebody else? Was that Picasso? That was Van Gogh. That was Van Gogh. That yeah, cut off his ear. he did. When you thought uh, Picasso was done, no, what did he do? He drew square boobs. Hey, <laughs> you know, maybe they felt better that way. I mean, come on, that's creative. When everyone else was drawing <laughs> the rounded true. ones, he, you know, went went nuts. Yeah. Triangular, <laughs> you know, all sorts of, you know, th- that's artistry right there. You know, and, and <laughs> that's innovative. <laughs> that's innovative, and I'll tell you, you know, people like Vinny and people like uh, Tom Tom Arthur, uh, you know. <laughs> They're they're knocking it out. Yeah, they are. You know, they wind up and uh, you know they knock out a, a triangular boob or a square one or a cut off an ear. You know, yeah, yeah. They're, they're going nuts. Or they're making crazy little yeast. I don't know what they're doing with them. I I think they're they're extremely creative and they think they think outside the box. They're thinking, you know, they're in a flavor space and they understand. You know how the flavor space works, and they're doing. You know, and they understand everything in the process that affects those flavors, and aromas, and textures, and and they're they, you know they've gone beyond dealing with grains and uh, and and uh, bugs and yeasts and and uh, you know hops and things like that to 
dealing in you know uh, flavor creation and imp- you know impression creation and uh, feeling creation in their in their products you know they there's nothing that really constrains them or defines them and uh, you know when these products come out we say to ourselves oh well you know that seems very much like it would fit in the you know strong golden category or right. whatever and that's fine or you know when it doesn't Belgian specialty ale, wide open, drops right in Bam. there, and again, yeah. you know, so, you know, something so well made, uh, so so unusual and unique, and really, you know, flavorful and delicious and balanced, you know, it becomes a great beer, and it, it, you know, that's 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 the style right there. Well, they're definitely pushing the limit on all all four or five thirty cylinders and whatever they're doing. So, I wish I had their job sometimes just to be able to have that creative aspect and even though I'm sure it's a lot of work what they're doing but you definitely have to love what you're doing to be brewing that much beer you know what's interesting about this he's saying here we have the Speedway Stout which is 12% alcohol here we've got uh, Lost Abbey's uh, Serpent Stout 11% alcohol which one has more alcohol character little quiz for the people who have the Speedway Stout you guys with headphones on. Hmm. I, was, I was talking to the police. Definitely the Lost Abbey has more. Yeah, far more alcohol character. Yeah. Whereas the Speedway Stout, you know, it, you know sneak up and, and beat you to death mm. before you knew there was alcohol in it, right? You know, so, so, you know, so restrained in the alcohol character. You know, plenty of alcohol, 12%. But the Lost Abbey, it comes up and pokes you right in the face. Yeah. Or somewhere else. And, uh... <laughs> Not just that the the roast is also a lot uh, harsher in the Lost Abbey. Mm-hmm. It's not too harsh. I don't mean that it's a bad characteristic, but the Speedway Stout is so round and smooth. Mm-hmm. This one, it really it it does hit you in the palate. Well, and the Speedway Stout are four years of aging, uh, but this one, and I, and I think there's a reason for that alcohol and that 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 more uh, aggressive roast character. Is that this is a sweeter beer too? There's a lot of sweetness in there, and I think the alcohol, uh, alcohol when you get to a higher level becomes kind of bitter. And I think the alcohol bitterness, I think uh, you know that uh, aggressive dryness of the roast, I think helps all balance that uh, that sweetness that's there in this beer, and you end up with a pretty drinkable beer. Are you, are you getting like a a perfuminess coming from it, right? I think you get your, some perfumes from the alcohols. I yeah. think you're you're signaling in your your nose and your sinuses and all. Yeah. Again, from the alcohol, you know mm-hmm. that that uh, you know. So there's certain alcohols in there, and uh, esters and phenols and stuff from the yeast, and uh, you know it it adds a you know considerable complexity. I think it's a little cold right now, but as it warms up, I think uh, you know it really improves. I definitely agree with you on that roast character. That really, because it is a full body malty beer, but it definitely has a nice drying finish with that roast character mm-hmm. and then bitterness from the alcohol. Yeah, if if you if if you have a what should be a Belgian specialty, and you take a drink and you're not ready to take a drink again, then again something's wrong. You're not. You're not. You know. You should always be ready to reach for the glass. And, you know, the restraint might be, wow, that's a lot of alcohol. <laughs> I'm going to hold off. And something like this will age beautifully for, you know, 10 years, 15 years. Nice. 
Belgian something you can you can lay down. Well, you do know, all Belgians get better with age? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. And uh, Chad and I were talking earlier, and one of the things that uh, you know anything with a lot of roast grains in it ages quite well. And is that because of the pH level, or it might be that? pH related? It might be any sort of antioxidative properties of the the highly kilned uh, grains. Hmm. But you and I have talked in the past about how uh, all right. Yeah, beer yeah. made with all pilsner malt, right? Doesn't do it, it after it, it reaches its peak in within a few weeks, or maybe in a month or so, and it's just the best beer you've ever had in your life, right? Mm-hmm. And it's you know sanitation's perfect, it's kept cold and steady, and it just starts to taper off, and within six months, it's it's horrible. You yeah. can't drink it anymore. It loses all its body character. It's got some fruitiness coming through. It's oxidized a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just just horrible. Yeah. Something like this, uh, I, you know. Trust me, anything with a, you know highly roasted grains, whether it be a robust porter or you know some sort of brown ale, uh, you know they'll st- stay stable for a long time. The hops can drop out, and you know, your bitterness is going to drop. But uh, you know, especially with a lot of alcohol and a lot of roast, right. the uh, alcohols will modify. You know, with some oxidation, the roast will uh, you know uh, mellow out a little bit, but It'll it'll be a great beer, you know, many years to go. If if you're brewing a Belgian, especially of any sort, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to age it for two to three years, is there a point where, if it was a a Belgian, especially that was blonde in color, and a Belgian dark strong, mm-hmm. that one might mm-hmm. develop mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. more? I don't know. That's an excellent question. You know, it's, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you, you always. Assume that all Belgian beers need age, mm-hmm. you know, to develop all these crazy flavors and aromas and stuff. Mm-hmm. But do you choose the blonde or the dark? Which one? Oh, the dark will age much better, yeah, right. and the and the blonde doesn't, and it's for that very same reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's a, a you know a very perceptive comment on your on your behalf. I think uh, the thing that. Um, a lot of people accept in Belgian beers is some oxidation, and so some oxidized, you know, beers, uh, because a lot of times there's Brett, and the Brett keeps going and modifying the character. You know, people appreciate that, and some oxidation is okay. But again, the 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 dark beers will will be uh, you know much more stable, much longer. Hmm. I'm I'm so so a little weirded out by that. Alcohol from that beer in my nose right now. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. Sorry. It wasn't the cavity search by the police? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see here. Should we go over? I think you should share a recipe. Why not? Okay. All right. So, in Brewing Classic Styles, fine book that you can find in the Brewing Network store. As a matter of fact, if you buy uh, Brewing Classic Styles from the Brewing Network, you get it signed. And, uh, you know, one of the benefits is, uh, you know, a fair chunk of change from the cost of that, uh, that book you buy uh, goes directly to the Brewing Network and helps uh, keep programming like this on the air. You want to keep hearing uh, Johnny P. and me uh, uh, each uh, two weeks? You know, talking <laughs> talking like beer. Talking drinking beer, beer. Drinking beer. Grabbing each other's ass. I mean, enjoying. Hanging uh, out. Yeah, hanging out. Pretzels. Then you want to want to do that. Yeah. Uh, and as a matter of fact, we're going to be 
Don't know if I can break this yet, uh, but we've been talking about it. Doing a live show, John Plisset and myself. Oh, gosh. At the NHC National Hoover Conference in Cincinnati. We are. Friday? Up there. Uh, I, I'm targeting Thursday afternoon, 4 o'clock. I don't know Thursday. if uh, Justin is on board with it, but uh, hey, he doesn't listen to the show, so it's okay. Uh, we, we'll go ahead and uh, he's shaking his head. But it's that's a done right. deal. It's already done. done deal. I thought it was done. Thursday. We're done deal. We're there. We're done, right? Thursday, 4 yeah. o'clock. Nice. Show up. We're going we're gonna to be there. Johnny, Johnny P and I, we're going to do the show live. We're going to do our regular shows. We're going to be there. Great time. Please show up, uh, bring your friends, uh, bring the animals, and uh, come on out and uh, see us do this live, and you'll really realize that we actually do have a good time doing this. And if you've got special beers to bring, good questions, things like that, uh, if you want to, you know, bring your wife and, you know. And your kids. And your kids, and uh, <laughs> have them massage our feet, uh, we're set. That'd be great. You know, we're, re- we're ready for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and we'll do them. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, you've got to come out. Got to see us do the show live. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's our first one. That's gonna be a blast. Wow. Yeah, that will be fun. You and I. You and I. Live. We, we can just ignore everybody else. And look we'll into each other's right eyes. at you. Yep, that's what I'm doing too. I'm not. I'm ignoring everybody. <laughs> uh, yep. And then we can sign stuff afterwards if you want. If you have a. Yeah. I'll, books. I'll sign t-shirts, any woman's breast or breasts, behind, uh, behinds. Uh, bellies, want I'll sign. kiss them. Whatever they want. <laughs> you can kiss them behinds. <laughs> you know, dude wants a hairy behind kissed. And, nah. You know, we're, we're all over that. Don't worry. We'll do it for you. No problem. All right. Just so. when you import JP over. So I got distracted again. It must be all the, the fine beer. Uh, I like when you're like this, by the way. Why, thank you. Uh, wife doesn't care for it, but yeah, everybody else. Uh, sure, they don't have to live with me. That's fine. Uh, all right, so this is kind of like a, an Orval clone. Uh, starting gravity, ten fifty-seven. You are going to uh, target thirty-seven IBU, eleven SRM. It's about six percent alcohol by volume. Uh, Pilsner liquid malt extract, seven point four pounds or three point three five kilograms. If you're an all-grain brewer, you're going to use, uh, instead of that, you would use uh, uh, a Pilsner malt, Continental Pilsner malt, uh, 9.75 pounds or 4.42 kilograms, mashed at 152 degrees Fahrenheit, 67 degrees C. Uh, We're also going to use cane sugar, plain old table sugar, or beet sugar, whatever the cheapest sugar your grocery store serves, uh, serves up uh, one pound or uh, about a half kilogram. And some Care Munich, uh, 60 degree Lava Bond, a pound and a half or 0.68 kilogram. And then you're going to hop this with uh, Halitau, 4% alpha acid, 60 minutes, 2 ounces or uh, 57 grams. Uh, Styrian Goldings, 5% alpha acid at 15 minutes, 0 minutes, and dry hopping. Uh, 1 ounce at 15 minutes, 28 grams. 1 ounce at 0 minutes, 28 grams. And 2 ounces dry hopping at 57 grams. Ferment that with the White Labs WLP 510 Belgian Bastogne Ale or the Y-Yeast 3522 Belgian Ardennes. Uh, your secondary is going to be some Brett WLP 650, uh, Brett Brux or Y-Yeast 5112, which is also the Brett Brux And uh, what you're going to do is ferment this at uh, 66 degrees Fahrenheit, 19 degrees C, and uh, with the initial yeast, the, the Bastone or the Ardennes, and uh, uh, then rack that to another fermentation vessel. You're going to add the, the Brett 
and you can hold for a month around uh, 59 degrees Fahrenheit, 15 degrees C, and you can add uh, dry hops uh, during the final week. You're going to carbonate to about three volumes. The the cool thing about this is, uh, you know, it will change over time. Uh, the brett will keep working. Uh, I think Charlie Papazian had an article he wrote about going in for a tasting of uh, Orval and where they they had a you know a one year old, a five year old, a ten year old. They also had beers and uh, wow. you know, like a twenty year old, and uh, they, they tasted all of these. That was at funny. Least, no, I got see, it. That, that was pretty good. That's why I need you here. You're yeah. the only one that laughs at my jokes. And uh, so uh, now they taste it and, and how the, the flavor really developed over time. Hmm. And again, it's the bread that does that. Right. So, uh, makes, so it's ever-changing then. Yeah, It's yeah, like yeah. a fine one. Right. So again, another beer you could brew every year and see how it goes, or brew every couple of years and see how it goes. And uh, Probably. You, know, you're, you know, with with this high carbonation, you're going to want to use a, a, a nice sturdy bottle. Uh, don't use the the average bottles because uh, they can explode when they get up to about four or five atmospheres. You know, three atmospheres is doable, but uh, you know, just be careful. That's a good question. I've got a um, my goose and my straight lambics from last year that I made, and they're just upstairs in the office right now at room temperature. Is there a point where I should be like, let's put this in the cold box and let's settle it down? Do you do it by taste? Like, yeah. All right, the Brett character tastes good now. Put her to bed and let's cool her down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or do you leave it warm the whole year, year and a half, two years? Well, and I think you can you can leave it warm for a long period of time. Here's the things to be careful of. One is if you have a big pile of yeast at the bottom, uh, you know you're gonna want to you're gonna want to get it off of that. Okay. Um, you know, before you go more than a few months. Okay. Uh, you know, three, four months. You're starting to push it. You know, rack it off of that. Uh, you know, if you got a big thick pile. Okay. The other thing is oxygen, and probably one of the biggest killers. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you could start out with a considerable amount of oxygen, hmm. but uh, you need to be careful because if you give it oxygen for too long, you know, you get things like a nail polish character, things like that. Vinegar. I, yeah, vinegar. You know, yeah, if vinegar. you got a bacter in there, it's going to really go nuts. Uh-huh. It's going to convert all that alcohol into vinegar. Um, I had a Flanders that uh, well, a Flanders experiment. I'm I'm continuously doing Flanders experiments to really uh, define that. But uh, the thing that uh, I found was if you do, you know, uh, a lot of oxygen on a Flanders for a year, it really becomes really harsh. And it's, uh, you know, again, like a nail polish remover. It's just just brutal. So you need to be careful how much oxygen gets into that. Hmm. I just found a... My second all grain that I brewed was a lambic, and I had done twenty gallons of this back in two thousand and one. I remember that, and I f- and with the peaches and all that. Remember that? Yeah. Well, when I you were first it. starting out, yeah. this, this young, wide-eyed, kind, uh, you know, hardworking, well, intelligent vulnerable. young young boy. <laughs> now I'm a hard ass. Um, well, the things that happened to you in between then and now have, uh, you know. Sorry. <laughs> Who could go through that uh, torture and uh, not be changed? Exactly. Right. Well, anyways, Darren found this carboy, the missing mm-hmm, link, mm-hmm. underneath our stairway in our welding shop. And the beer was originally blonde. Well, when he brought it over, it's actually brown now. And it is oxidized now. And it's amazing how I don't even think there's any, even any alcohol anymore. It's totally turned brown and it's oxidized and mm-hmm. it literally tastes like vinegar. Mm. 
and you know, I'm going to dump it probably tomorrow. But right. If it's real vinegary, yeah. you got to dump it. Yeah. Vin- high, a high level of vinegar is not appropriate in, in, in this beer or so any beer. How does a home brewer keep auctioning out other lambics if they're going to store them for two years in the carboy or so? Well, you know, a little bit of oxygen's okay. Uh, you know, Ch- Chad has his uh, in a glass carboy here, and he's uh, he's used some foil before, which is fine. Um, saran wrap, most of the uh, saran products there, very low oxygen permeability. That and a Brett uh, pellicle over the top uh, helps, uh, you know, so seal it up. And, uh, you know, a little bit of oxygen ingress is okay. But uh, you don't want excessive, like, uh, plastic buckets and things like that. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, it can, it can be too much. And then, uh, you know, if you're going to have more oxygen exposure, you go with a lower temperature, I think. Uh, you know, the oxidation reaction is, you know, slows down with a lower temperature. Okay. But, uh, you know, just like uh, metal rusts and it develops that color, mm-hmm. you know, rust, uh, you know, or oxidation of uh, almost anything turns it darker. Right. If you see your lamb getting darker, uh, you know, you're getting too much oxygen over time. Kind of baller up. And, 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 and that's the thing is, uh, I think somebody asked this during the previous show, but maybe it, it didn't get asked, uh, live was something about how do you know when your lambic is done? And, uh, the thing is by taste. So, uh, you know, you give it a few months, uh, before you taste it and you want to try not to poke holes in the pellicle. Uh, so, if you have like a, a spigot or if you're doing a keg and you can put a stainless nail in and, and do it to, to take tastings, that's great. Um, but you want to taste it uh, every so often. Yeah, you go through the head of the keg and you just drive a stainless nail through there and you pull that out. It's like your stopper and you do it. You drain a little bit out and you're, you're pulling it below the pellicle. So you're not disturbing the pellicle. The pellicle protects the beer. And you you take a little you know taste out and you know plug the the nail back in and then you can uh, take a taste. Vinny does that really? Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Took a trip to Belgium, saw somebody do it, and I saw it in his brewery recently. Yeah. That's crazy. Why is that crazy? Because how the how does the do you duct tape the nail back in the place so it doesn't leak or what do you do? <laughs> Well, I think if you wiggle your nail quite a bit, it can make the hole a lot larger. Uh, you don't want to be wiggling your nail too much. Okay. You know, then you have to go. You have to get yourself a bigger nail to fill that hole. That and, wouldn't put it on did, the bottom, but right. And you don't want to break the pellicle, though. This is the idea. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. So uh, you know, if you can see, but if you're real careful and you kind of you know use a real thin you know racking tube or whatever you're using. Um, you know, a lot of those wine thieves are really big. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, yeah. but if you can slide something in, you know, pull out a sample and then... Uh, what a clothes hanger. When you pull it back out, I mean, through the pellicle. Yeah, but just take a clothes hanger through the pellicle. And do what? And then take it out. Sip it through the clothes hanger? And then... Oh, no, like a drop? And take a drop of it. and uh, Drop at a time? <laughs> I don't think it's going to give you much. Okay. <laughs> I think you need or more the shot. <laughs> but, you, you know, you can do something to, uh, you know, a thin piece of tubing. Uh, you know, aquarium uh, pump tubing or whatever, uh, something thin that you know you pass it through. Uh, and actually, what, what's weird is you know cut the tubing at a, a shave an angle on it, for like a forty-five degree angle on the tip of the tubing, and then when you pass it through, it really you know kind of it pushes everything aside instead of poking a hole through it. Right. Uh, you know, it's a little tip that I've never heard done before. Huh. And uh, you know, pass that through, and then you know you can go ahead and suck on it to get it started. 
and uh, you know drain some into a little glass and then gently you know just try and go straight in straight out and don't wiggle it around don't move your carboy don't move your keg whatever your oak barrel whatever you have because that's just going to shake all that pellicle down in there but you know slide that back out and it tends to uh, you know kind of close back up and huh. I think I think you're okay with that that's not too bad and uh, you can do that what? and uh, you know t- take tastes and when it seems like uh, you know, it's developed, and you're, if you start to worry about oxygen uh, development or, you know, oxidation of it, you go ahead and rack it into a keg, flush it, you know, flush it with CO2, rack it, rack it into a keg, and everything will still develop in there. You know, don't put a lot of pressure on it, but, uh, you know, exclude the oxygen and go ahead and let it to, to continue to develop, uh, you know, in whatever environment you have. Huh. That's, a, that's great tips. Thank you. Well, you learn something every show. So what was that again? Straight in, straight out, and don't wiggle? Yeah. Okay. Po- yeah. You know, poke it in, pull it out. If you wiggle too much, you need a bigger nail because you're going to make the hole too big. Okay. You know, having kids makes the hole too big, too. But Oh, oh my God. All right. <laughs> so let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we will uh, get into a question from the chat room right after this. Hi, I'm Sean O'Sullivan, the brewmaster and co-founder of the 21st Amendment Brewery and Restaurant in San Francisco. Six years ago, Nico Freccia and I opened the 21st Amendment on 2nd Street with the intent of bringing back the local neighborhood brew pub. Well, the neighborhood has really changed over the years, but the 21st Amendment still remains a great place for people to meet over a terrific meal and a tasty pint of beer. In the past, the only way you could enjoy the 21st Amendment's handcrafted beers was at the brew pub. Well, all that has changed. Now, the 21st Amendment beers are available in cans. That's right, cans. When was the last time you had a great beer in a can? Well, that day has come. We're offering our world-famous watermelon wheat and 21A IPA in cans. Cans are a better package than glass because cans keep the beer fresher longer, but you can also take cans to places where bottles can't go, like the beach, lake, golf courses, and sporting events. So join us in the revolution to take back the can from the big breweries and crack open a cold 21A craft beer in a can. The 21st Amendment, 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from John. Hey, Push, the new brewery's looking good. Thanks, Finn. Piece by piece. Well, let's fire her up. Whoa! Is that a new kettle? Yeah, just got it brand new, but paid half price. What? And that blade scale? 40% off. And the new tap handle? Five bucks instead of 13. Got a new regulator for the brew sand, too, but five bucks instead of 25. Dude, where are you stealing all this stuff from? Where else? The more beer deal of the day. Announcing the Beer, Beer, and More Beer Deal of the Day. Every day, a new fantastic deal from big items to small that will blow you away. Boil kettles, carboy carriers, sterile siphon starters, digital timers. Watch morebeer.com every day for a new deal, and you just might find the item you've been waiting for at a price you cannot believe. Hurry, because stock is limited on most items. And that sweet Guinness cap, let me guess. The The More Beer beer Deal deal of the day. Day. Yeah, I knew it. Come on, let's brew something. Find the more beer deal of the day at morebeer.com. This Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. And now, back to the Jameel Show. Good time. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. That little boy. Yeah. We're going to have a fine time in Cincy. Oh, 
that is going to be so good. I tell you, there is no beer event in the world that I enjoy more than the National Homebrewers Conference, the AHA National Homebrewers Conference. And if you're if you're if you've never been, you got to go. It's better than GABF. It's better than anything else. It is really really fantastic. All the personalities that show up and the the great beer that everybody brings. And uh, you know, one of the ways to uh, you know, if you go and you're not a member, cost you you know considerably more. So sign up to be a member for the AHA. Uh, you do that through the Brewing Network store. Go in there, uh, sign up, uh, you purchase it, uh, you get uh, uh, everything handled for you online. And uh, the uh, a few bucks of that uh, membership go directly to the bottom line of the Brewing Network and uh, help keep programming like this going. And uh, not only are you supporting the Brewing Network, you're supporting the cause of home brewing. Uh, the AHA fights to keep home brewing legal. There are in our country. There are still five states where home brewing is illegal. That's ridiculous. And the AHA is putting a lot of effort into uh, legalizing home brewing for uh, you know those people in those states and keeping it uh, real for the rest of us. So don't don't let me down. Don't let them down. Uh, you know, sign up. It's a good thing. You get pub discounts. You get Zymergy magazine, was really good magazine. Uh, you get uh, you know a lot of little benefits that uh, uh, discounts on books, all sorts of stuff. The pub discount program, I use it all the time. I I more than make up for the cost of uh, membership through that. So uh, you know don't uh, you know don't hesitate. Go sign up. Uh, do it through the Brewing Network uh, during, and uh, you will uh, be supporting uh, multiple good causes. All right. Questions from the chat room. Yeah, just a couple questions um, and some good ones. Uh, in the last episode, we covered the oxygen permeability of uh, containers, uh-huh. uh, buckets, glass. Um, this question is about the oxygen permeability of caps, the different style of corks and caps to use on your mm-hmm. carboys and mm-hmm. things like that, which mm-hmm. I thought was a good question. Um, you have any preferences there or tips for us? Uh I, th- I think, uh, you know, again, the, one of the reasons I like it in the can is that uh, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably the, uh, you know, the best as far as, you know, locking out oxygen. You know, initially when you're canning it, you might get a, a tad more oxygen than you do in a bottle. But uh, once it's all sealed up, it's it's better permeability against our protection against oxygen. When you get to the crown caps, uh, you know, a good, you know, plastic seal and crown caps is, is pretty good. Corks are probably the least, and uh, we'll let more through. It depends on the beer you're brewing. I think, and just to divert you for a second, they meant fermenter. Oh. So you're talking about stoppers. Stoppers, yeah. Why didn't you use stoppers? Because like, that's not how the question was posed to if, me. I just Jesus Christ, he sends me down this road, you know. <laughs> and then you get off on a tangent, and we get lost. He's sidetracked. Chad, Chad take care of this guy yeah, over yeah. here. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, that's going to help the show. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> we might get lucky. Uh, stoppers, as far as stoppers go. Okay, so... Um, because I was always fascinated when I saw yeah. you were like, "Hey, I just put sometimes I just put some uh, uh, aluminum foil over my carboys, right? You know, let yeah. air out, nothing falls in, and it's fine." Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for long term storage, I, yeah. When you when things are real active, you just slap a hunk of tin foil over it. That's fine. You know, you, you're just trying to keep all the dust with all the crud from falling into your fermenter. For long term storage, uh, you know, uh, rubber stoppers with. Um, 
uh, airlocks is fine. The only problem with that is that uh, you know the uh, you know a lot of dust can build up in the, the kind of the crevice between the stopper and the and the carboy and drop in there. That's not good. Your airlocks will dry out. Uh, I like uh, carboy caps uh, quite a bit for long term. Uh, they tend to be uh, you know not that not great against oxygen permeability, but um, they keep dust and stuff off that, so I use the carboy caps. Hmm. I use that for, you know, until, again, the, the sourness seems to develop, and, and for certain beers where there is some acetic character, when the acetic character gets to a level that I think is appropriate, I go ahead and move that into a keg. I flush the keg with CO2, uh, transfer the beer into there, and then I don't have to worry about it anymore. But all those other souring flavors will still develop. Brett will still develop. Okay. All right. Somebody had mentioned early on um, that in in judging these beers, he's noticed that that they should be highly carbonated. It's something that's overlooked. It was his his opinion that as a as a judge, this beer should be high, highly carbonated, and that people can get dinged for that. What do you think about the carbonation of these beers? Well, I'd say in general, um, most of the examples you would find are fairly highly carbonated. Anything from moderate to highly carbonated. Carbonated. Carbureted. <laughs> Speedway. Speedway. Well, yes. It's all Ailsmith's fault to, you know, email them and say, hey, you yeah. know, my fine programming got much goofier with uh, <laughs> your, your excellent uh, beer, Speedway Stout. Yeah. Uh, I think they'd be thrilled to actually hear that people listen and, and heard about Speedway Stout and Ailsmith as uh, fine products. And guy's a buddy of mine, so. But don't give them any shit. No matter, you know, you can joke around, but don't give them any shit. Uh,. What was the question again? Was it about uh, carbonation? Carburetors? Yes. <laughs> Volkswagen. So, yeah. <laughs> carbonation. Uh, but you know the the it 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 really isn't a requirement. It really depends on the individual beer. So while many examples that you may find of Belgian specialty beer out there will be, you know, fairly highly carbonated. It isn't a requirement. And I think judges that are requiring that uh, are making a mistake. It's really dependent on the individual beer. So uh, if you if you have a beer that really uh, marries well with a, a lower carbonation, you know, something that isn't uh, really highly rich and thick, that needs some carbonation to kind of drive out, uh, then, you know, I think that's very appropriate. So uh, if you can, keg these beers, mess around with the carbonation level, and when it seems right to you, it's the most incredibly drinkable thing you've ever had you start out real low and slowly let it ramp up take a sample each day and when it seems just just fantastic and couldn't get any better that's your carbonation level okay all right and the last one and uh it's it's in it's a question about an article in the latest issue of zymergy which we don't have yet we haven't gotten ours but i guess Vinny is in there and he's talking about um how pdo and brett should be used together and the way the question was posed in the chat room here, it said that Brett puts out diacetyl, according to the article, and that PDO will help to absorb that diacetyl, so they should be used together, and they wanted to know your experience. I don't have the article for us to yeah. verify the information. You know, my experience has been kind of the opposite, in that, uh, you know, PDO will put out diacetyl, will create diacetyl, and Brett uh, will not, so... I'm not really sure there, but uh, that's been my experience. PDO is a is, can be a fairly significant diacetyl producer. Okay. So I would believe that you know, hey, it's Vinny. 
you know, I'd, I'd believe... Uh, Maybe it was misquoted. R- right, or, you know, uh, but regardless, I would say, okay, you know, yeah, use them both together for that reason, because, you know, Vinny's saying that's true. Uh, you know, Vinny could be wrong, but chances are pretty slim. Mm. Okay. So I would I would take that as gospel until we hear otherwise, or till till you prove it otherwise. You know, give yourself uh, uh, you know three three uh, selections of word. Uh, you know, one of them do pedia, one of them do Brett, one of them do both together, and see which one uh, seems real buttery. And uh, my guess is it's going to be the uh, pedia only one. But uh, you know, I could be wrong. But uh, I think I, I am know. getting a correction here that says. Somebody's now saying Vinny said Pedio is the one that pumps yeah. out diacetyl. Pedio so right. produces quite a bit of diacetyl. Okay. So um, uh, I hadn't really heard that Brett will consume it, but uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. And I, I would think that, that that makes sense. All right. And that's about it for this style today. That's about it. Yeah, not a lot of questions from these guys. That's about it. <laughs> John, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, right. I love me my plisse. Yeah. He's got to go back to the cops. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, no, I'm, right. I'm not going to recap the recipe. Uh, You're not? Yeah. yeah, buy Brown Classic Styles. Come on. You find it in the Brewing Network store. You're so hard to you get. Know, the, you can get assigned. <laughs> you get a, you know, a couple of bucks go to the uh, Brewing Network. And, uh, you know, if you want to recap, uh, you know, back up a podcast, you know, get it, download this as a podcast. <laughs> Use the rewind button and listen to as many times as you want. Uh, I don't know. I, I, you know, lately I've just been a little bit angry and a little bit, uh, you're, I don't know. You're such an angry person. I am. I can feel Am I not? Anger. Am I not? I can feel it. Yes. At the long shot, people go, oh, you know, so Jamel was like uh, in rare form. On Late Friday back. night, and I'm like, nah, I think I was just like, I don't know, just a little, <laughs> little spicy, little antsy, little, little feeling my oats. What, what gave you the spice? Ah, work sucks, and you know, all the regular things, uh, you know, all that hard work. Responsibilities, and, yeah. Yeah, Shit. you know, I just want to be a beer drinking, beer brewing. Fiend. Hanging out with my buddies type of, type of guy. There you go. And you know, all the pressures of being, uh. On the air, it's just it's just so stressful for me. <laughs> Everybody, give me a hug. Give me a hug. All right, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, this is and you way. can see this fine programming live in Cincinnati. <laughs> live June. It's probably like eighteenth, nineteenth. Around the 19th, I think. We'll be taking live questions from the studio audience. Yeah, yeah. I'll have a microphone to, that you, you'll actually be asking yourselves if you're there in Cincinnati. I will, of course, filter your comments beforehand. <laughs> I think I might have some Mr. Malty gear for uh, those folks who show up and uh, ask some good questions. And, cool. You and know, some other surprises. Yeah, expose themselves, things like that. I'll have my old underwear for sale. For sale, even. He doesn't give it away. He's selling it. He doesn't sling that stuff into the crowd. <laughs> you got to pony up the cash for that bad boy. $50. Well, I think we're good for like a three-hour meltdown right now. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Let's just keep it going. Come on. Uh, Speedway stout. Yeah, very true. Thanks to your your friends at Alesmith for bringing this this fine programming to you. At, uh, Speedway stout. Uh, so we're done. We're done. That's it. Wow. Good show. <laughs> yeah, it just goes so fast. It does. 
But We're having fun. That's why. That's right. Quality programming brought to you from <laughs> the Brewing Network dot com. and our friends at Northern Brewer, NorthernBrewCon.com. I must be serious. They uh, find find company, find products, and uh, find service. Uh, visit them and say we sent you. Yeah. All right. And there you go. Brew strong. Brew strong.